Chapter 2 of The Adventure of the Broad Arrow, an Australian Romance by Morley Roberts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Lore. A Speculation You'd better come with us, Tom, said Smith a few days after. There's not much need for you here now. This rain has done you out of a job which would never make you rich. They were walking together on the outskirts of the barren town, close by the new fine, which had turned the inside of the earth up to the sky. They were making money there, though every night the men working it had nightmares and sweated to think the gold was done. Smith waved his hands toward it. They've taken out fifty thousand already, Tom, he said, and I dare say they'll take out no more said red-faced tom whose natural good-humoured and hopefulness were a little off in colour what then they'll float it said smith it would do us four i could show my peeled nose in england again he rubbed his aquiline beak which was badly skinned his blue eyes were bright and eager and courageous oh if you didn't drink such a lot you'd be a daisy said tom who spent years in america and mixed his talk as the other did his drinks hang it said smith i give you my word i'm off drink i tell you honestly that i mean it and out yonder we shan't be able to get it tom looked out across the northeast plain and shook his head no perhaps not he answered but smith grew impatient this rain has filled up the holes he cried and they'll be plenty for a week or two, even if no more falls. No more will fall, said Tom. It's rare luck as this fell. But all the same, before they went back, he promised to go with the others upon their expedition. It must be out there somewhere, said Hicks that night, when everything was ready for the morning start. For Bill Herder, that brought that bit of stuff in, was only gone a fortnight and if he was off his nut with the fever i believe he spoke the gospel truth and anyhow that lump of stuff doesn't lie and where it came from is not more than a week's journey for herder who had helped to turn their faces to the northeast had died in the very bed occupied by the cockney he dropped off his horse at the door one evening as the chums were at supper and three days afterwards he collapsed and went out. All he had brought back with him was one lump of quartz and gold, weighing about eight pounds. He looked at them pitifully before he died, but could tell them nothing but that he got it out yonder. So he was buried, and no one knew if he had a friend to whom news of his death should be sent. The first expedition made by Hicks, Smith, and Mondeville was an ill-considered and rash one for smith was reckless he was always ready to take chances that any other man would shirk he rushed his chums into a violent hurry and got them a day out on the burning plain before they knew it some of the men in town believed they knew where they were going and followed them from a distance but when they saw the open dry horror of a flat world before them those who sneaked behind failed in their hearts and turned back. They spread reports of the country in that quarter, which gave rise at last to circumstantial rumors that the Smith party was already dead of thirst. 
but on the fourth day they came in. Smith had growled even then, for he swore that another few hours would bring them to water. A faint cloud line on the horizon he described as big trees by a creek, but the water in their big bags was nearly done, and one had leaked. This time, said Smith, I'm going through. If I die like a dog on a wet sack. A dry sack, said Hicks. But early in the dawn, the three faced the plain once more, and with them went Tom. I might just as well make a spoon or spoil a horn, said Tom, and there is gold in this all-fired rotten country anyhow. It was still almost dark when they saddled up and struck out northwest upon the endless mysterious plain, and by the time the white-hot sun shot up on their right hands and the light poured across the dead level, the town was ten miles behind them. But they could still see its tin roofs and tin walls gleaming. This reminds me that I once went from a ship in a boat, said Tom, when it was dead calm and the sea was thick blue oil. It's like being at sea here. He was riding by the side of the cockney, who nodded and whistled. It's a bloomin' rum start this is, said Mondeville, to think that two years ago I was never outside London, and now to be on a plane like this ere, I was a moke ever to leave the bakery business, and yet I don't know. Bacon wasn't nice work. Was that you at home, Tom? Pound a week clerk, said Tom. What fetched ye out here? I got sacked. Couldn't get another job, so I came to my brother in Melbourne. And there, and there, cried Mandeville, it's a sight worse than at home. That's where you hid it, said Tom. So then I went to San Francisco or thereabouts and stayed for two years, and this gold racket fetched me back. Do you know who Smith was afore he came out? asked Mandeville. Tom shook his head. He was a real gent, a clergyman's son, and had a lot of money. Drink done him, and a woman, I dare say. But he's a rare good sort, and a good plucked un. He'd fight it so be it soused him. I've seen him fight till he was a red rag, and cryin' cause the other licked him. And when he's drunk, he's a terror, and a holy terror, and it stands from under when he flies eye. Mandeville adored Smith and felt that it was a high privilege to be the friend of a clergyman's son. He always spoke as if such a parentage was a kind of profession. At about ten o'clock they made camp by a thickish bit of mulga scrub, where there was a little grass newly sprung up about a small water hole. They ate a lunch of mutton and bread. No more good bread, said Smith. Our baker will have to come down to Johnny Cakes and Flapjacks. Never mind us, said the baker, which was one of Mountabell's names. I'm thinking of the horses. It's little there is to pick. And with this, ere some like a hooven for eat, it'll dry up in two days. Don't croak, growled Hicks, whose vast length was stretched under the only bit of shade thereabouts. I ain't growling said the baker. I'm only just expressing opinions. And your horse will want Tucker if he's to carry your bloomin' carcass far. Hicks laughed and reached out for Mondeville, who rolled a foot farther away from him. What kind of horses do you breed down on the Oxbury River, old man? He asked. Or does your folks go on foot? 
or perhaps you're bigger than most. I'm the little in of the family, said Hicks, and they all laughed. Lord, save us from your brothers, said Smith, but let's be getting a bit of a snooze. So they lay and sweated and hunted off the infernal ubiquitous flies and got sticky and bad-tempered till the sun was two hours past the meridian and before them as they rode on again was the eternal plain which ran ahead of them forever but when they camped at night they were thirty miles or perhaps more from the new find End of chapter two